Hi everybody, it's Josh Kurievsky here with Jeff Patton. Jeff is a veteran agilist who really focuses on the product side, the people and product side of mm -hmm. agile. And he and I go way back. We worked together briefly at a dot com in San Francisco in 2000. Yeah, a long time ago. And we are in Sydney, Australia together at the Yowl Conference. Been here together for almost two weeks now. Yeah, we're getting tired. This is the second week. Uh, we've been to uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, now here. Yes. So let's uh, let's chat a little bit. Yeah. So um, I'm fascinated by your message. Um, you are a really early pioneer of Agile, um, but you were doing things that we now aspire to do yeah. years ago. Can you tell us about your early background in this? Yeah. Um, well, so before this, we were talking about, well, I don't know, we spent a lot of time relearning things we already knew. I, I used to build software for for retailers, for brick and mortar, re, brick and mortar retails, sure. retailers, the, the, the point of sale stuff all the way to the back office merchandising stuff. And a long time ago, my, our company was small and our software was a little jankety. So when we released software, it was uh, when we were rolling it out to a chain of retailers, it was a convention to... Uh, roll it out to a pilot store, one or two stores. To uh, begin with. And then uh, as a convention, we showed up and stood behind people while they used our software. We were there the whole day. The store opened at 9 o'clock. We were there before they opened up. We uh, were there when they opened up the store. We stood behind them while they worked. Uh, we were there until they closed the store uh, later in the day. Um, and it was me. It was other uh, other developers. And we stood behind people while they worked. Now, this so you believed in rapid feedback? Is that what you're uh, telling me? No. Back we, in the early uh, 90s? We didn't call it rapid feedback. We no. called it being there in case things went to hell in a handbag. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes they did right but the the really big takeaway I can so we were this is the story we were talking about before mm -hmm. uh, this uh, I can remember situations we were there and look if you've ever we were talking about this before if you've ever watched anybody use anything you've made before I have it's horrifying the first time because you, you feel so good about this product but uh, then you watch them use it and they struggle or they make mistakes or they use it in weird jankity ways and they don't even think it's weird the way that they're using it mm -hmm. uh, um, and uh, I remember you cringe doing, inside, don't yes, you? Uh, I remember doing a, a many hours worth of cringing and getting back and having us talk about it and said, "This is just awful. This is not uh, the way we want it to be." And I can remember us staying very late at night, mm -hmm. working on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can remember people being super motivated to make this better. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, had nothing to do with backlogs or goals. We didn't call our extra work to make it better scope creep, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, we didn't. Uh, it, it was us being motivated, uh, us us caring to make a better, a far better experience for your end users. So, so you know, we were yeah. So, so we were talking because I gave this the talk I'm giving at Yao is how to fix product ownership in agile development. One of the first things, one of the things uh, talked about is this empathy thing. Yes. is how we don't take developers out or team members out uh, and we don't put them with uh, this isn't a convention we we aren't uh, look you can be practicing scrum and you can try and maximize velocity and look if you take time away from writing code and go actually watch people work it's gonna hurt in theory it could hurt your velocity in practice uh, it's way better use of your time. Yeah, it's a way better use of your time. And you, you probably know this. Uh, you've probably seen this. Developers who 
care about what they're doing outperform developers who don't care oh, yeah. two to one. Yes. Uh, uh, so yes. oddly, taking that time away it really improves the performance. Yeah. So, so if you really want to, so what you're saying is if you really want to improve in performance, get the developers out observing the actual users of the software because so they're going to get totally motivated to make it a far better product. Uh, I'm, yeah, I see. I'm yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you saw this. Uh, you shipped an e-learning product, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you learned lots of horrifying lessons along the way. And yes. I'm sure that uh, you know those. Uh, um, you learn those lessons best you get the most insight from actually talking to and watching people use your product i'll, I'll never forget just watching a uh, someone in a usability evaluation uh, in our office uh, completely miss a, a three-minute video that we had made he didn't realize there was a video on the page literally didn't realize there was a video there that we'd spent three or four days making mm -hmm. to make him awesome and he just clicked to the next page and I, I, my jaw dropped yeah and believe me immediately the next hour the next day we were making that page far more uh, explicit that there's a video here, click here to play the video, big giant, you know, uh, triangle. So yeah, exactly, it resonates what you're saying, um, that if you observe the actual customer using your product, it's gonna motivate you to build a far better product. One of the things that came up, and I'm gonna, it's funny, we talked about, we talked a little bit about what we're gonna talk about, but I'm, I'm gonna jump right into, one of the things sure. we talked about, and we, we both bristle at is uh, the, the term or the concept of product owner. Uh, now, uh, actually in my company, it took years before they actually understood what a product manager was, but they ultimately adopted the term product manager. And I don't know if that term is awesome or perfect, but product owner is, feels weird to me because one of the big concepts for us, uh, for me and my teams is we as a team were responsible for the success of this product. A, a person didn't own the product, we owned the product. The team. Uh, the team did. The whole we, team. we felt Beautiful. accountable for it. Yes. Uh, it, it was sort of important that we have a strong leader. It yes. was super important that we understood how our product fit into the, where our, the, uh, the strategic vision, of uh, the strategy and vision of our company. Absolutely. And it was important that we have a leader. It wasn't a free-for-all here, mm -hmm. uh, but the, there was a strong sense of ownership. Look, I was the team leader. It was my job to make sure that everybody felt ownership, not mm. to take ownership away from them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I do all the deciding what the product does, I'm stealing ownership. Right. Uh, uh, and that's what gets weird about the common agile practice sometimes. Interesting. Uh, is there's a, the product owner is supposed to be the decider. Uh, and uh, you know, for me, I evaluate, well, you call it passionate product ownership, yeah. right? That's the name of your course. Yes, and so when I teach, a, so I teach, uh, I teach product ownership courses. Uh, look, it's not printed big on my business card. It's not on my website, but I am a certified Scrum trainer. I only teach product ownership. I don't teach the CSM stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, I only teach the product ownership stuff because mm -hmm. I can teach it the way I want to. There Which, isn't a test uh, you have to take to prove it. Mm -hmm. um, and it can change. And, can uh, uh, and, the, the, and I give the guidance that I don't want just people in the PO role to be there. I want product owners. I want product designers. I need the agile coaches or scrum masters to be there and I need engineers, engineers. especially the senior engineers mm -hmm. uh, to be there because the ownership is a team responsibility it isn't an individual's responsibility right wonderful now, that said I say that but uh, we don't I don't get an even mixture of people like that mm -hmm. uh, in classes but uh, I at least have leave people with the idea that 
the, 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 the this is important. The, the, they go so, back and put this. So team ownership of the product outcome would that be yeah. one of the ways? You, oh yeah, you of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's it's oh gosh, one of the I can remember working with a company. I'm going to leave their name uh, out no of this worries, because no uh, uh, I can remember them. You said team ownership of the outcome, and it made me uh, think of something. I, I remember sitting with this company, and they're at a stand-up meeting. Mm -hmm. This is a team, small team, working hard. They're really predictable. They have continuous delivery. They're delivering. They've got a product that is consumer-facing, so they can they can release features multiple times in the in a, in a sprint or an iteration, you know, in a, in a cycle. Mm -hmm. And I can remember them at the stand-up meeting, uh, being super depressed. Uh, hmm. uh, on uh, any other team would be super thrilled that they were shipping as predictably as these people were. were, right. were. But uh, cards went to the end of a task board uh, into a, a shipped column, and they would tag the things that were shipped. But right next to the card were the metrics that they were tracking on that story. Mm. And next to that were, uh, in whiteboard ink, were them writing the measurable outcomes, the metrics that came off of that. Ooh. The things stayed on the board for at least... Uh, as long as it took them to measure, as long as it took them to sort of reflect on how well this thing would be used. And uh, th so things stayed on the board a few weeks after they measured it, and they talked about this in stand-up meetings. And they mm -hmm. learned the horrifying thing that most people learn, <laughs> that you ship stuff and people don't use it. Yes. Uh, or it has negative uh, results. It has a, a negative outcome. Well, mm -hmm. just like the, the thing you just described. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you would ship that uh, feature for the video and you actually instrumented it so you could see how many people played videos and you shipped it and you watched the metrics every day and you noticed nobody's playing that video, that would be sort of depressing. Horrifying, um, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, look, if, uh, you know, this is now in the measurable outcome thing. This is why the outcome, uh, the, the metrics, yeah, there's an old friend of mine that says uh, data is exhaust, not fuel. Uh, mm. uh, data will tell you what people did, but not why. And if you put mm. those two things together, if you watch somebody work, then you can start to figure out what the problems are and solve them. Anyway, the, the team being... Uh, so I watched this team be depressed because they weren't getting the outcomes they expected. And... Mm. Uh, Interesting. I'm going all different directions. I have a slide. Uh, That's it, fine. Uh, no, I like it. Remember that. the old mom expression, the if you keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about uh, expression? <laughs> Look, no, if I you, don't actually. Uh, don't? Your mom never said that to mm -hmm. you? Uh, <laughs> I never heard that one. Uh, so. yeah, I'm there, always learning. There's an old, maybe it's a bad mom expression or it's a, a bad dad expression. The uh, If you keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, I'll, I'll mm. tell that to agile teams or teams. If you keep worrying about uh, delivering stuff on time, uh, uh, look, when you start measuring whether people are actually using what you deliver, you're oh, yeah. going to have something bigger to cry about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I, <laughs> so that's big, big, huge believer in usage measurements and all that. Like, that's just, you've got to be doing that, folks. Um, now, you said something to me on this trip that I, I found fascinating, and I love this. Um, a lot of people will say, you know, the reason we have a product owner is because we don't want design by committee. Um, but you mentioned um, a certain woman you There's, learned a phrase uh, from. A lady I know named uh, Lisa Reichelt. Uh, Lisa Reichelt. Okay. She has, uh, you can find her, her her, her blog or online blog is disambiguity.com or disambiguity uh, okay. if you look for, for her and I met her when she was uh, she was with the UK uh, well, she, uh, you ever order business cards from Moo I've uh, heard of Moo yeah uh, happens, but she I've did a lot of the design mm -hmm. for that oh beautiful uh, stuff uh, yeah. um, uh, she did a lot of design for the 
a couple other things, but like she helped the UK government do design. We're here in Australia, mm-hmm. and she took over the. the uh, she was running design and research, and part of the leadership of what is the DTA or the Digital uh, Transformation Authority for the the Australian government. Mm. And I met her this morning, and she just. Uh, uh, she just took over design uh, research for Atlassian. Oh, wow. And uh, now I'm way yeah. off track, but the, the quote of hers is that design by community is not designed by committee. It's that we include everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we want everyone's opinion. We want people to understand. We want them to weigh in on things. But yes. At the end of the day, someone has to decide. Yes. Uh, and someone is sort of accountable. So there's this weird tension between uh, being the owner that strips ownership away from teams and being the owner that mm-hmm. collaborates with teams. Uh, uh, or oh, being the uh, maybe it's a leadership versus ownership. Yeah, thing. yeah, you know? I love that. So in the leaders in the leadership model, um, there is product ownership not necessarily the product owner and there's this design by community versus design by committee yes actively seeking it's funny so i have this uh the the title of my class used to be passionate product ownership did you say that yes is that has that changed just to passionate product leadership oh i love that oh even better even better uh, it's because of conversations like this with Mm -hmm. you and other people that i'm kind of getting allergic to the term owner I love it. Leadership yeah. leadership is really where it's at. So, uh, yeah. And we can all be leaders. We don't yeah, have to have one course, leader. Yeah. People can lead. Uh, an intern yeah. at Facebook decided to try something out, and it turned out it took down Facebook. Oh, it was a defect that he tried. You were telling me this story. Yeah, yeah. Sheryl Sandberg told this story that he, he basically thought, let me see how Facebook responds to a defect. How does it deal with it? And he inadvertently took Facebook down for 30 minutes. Yeah. They ended up um, hiring that intern yeah. because it, he was consistent with their values of being bold and having impact. He just went about his experiment in a kind of unsafe way. So <laughs> yeah. okay, uh, but you know that oh, is... maybe we need to talk about uh, modern agile and safety or yeah, <laughs> what does that extend? <laughs> yeah, so we're you know um, well here's our our little uh, yeah. sticker here and. These things here, I mean, you know, a lot still of still waiting for the modern agile drinking game. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? Too. We're getting closer because we, we just made some cork. Um, you know, yeah, what, what are they? Good. What are they? The cork uh, things you put your drinks on. The, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the, the coasters. Coasters. Yeah, yeah, we just so made coasters. They'll be coming yeah, soon. So those to, aren't uh, big enough for coasters as they are. You need a slightly <laughs> bigger. Um, but so we were talking as well about um, empathy, and productivity and so i think what you're saying to me is well, what i'm hearing is empathy is huge you yeah. got to be if you're going out there and talking to your customers you're going to have much more empathy if the team is able to do it they're going to get motivated yeah. to make uh improvements here's a question for you you told you said this earlier what happens when two three four different customers you, know, you do all this empathy and then you get all these crazy different ideas yeah. and you have too much who do you listen to? Listen to customer A, customer B. Is it the customer who pays me the most money? How do you deal with that? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, do so I do uh, when I build a product? Yeah, um, so yeah, uh, I wait to? until yeah. I wait until I hear That's the, the same, uh, more of the same thing coming from more customers, yeah. um, and then say, okay, fine. Now I've heard it several times. So if it's a unique request, I'm a little bit weary. You know, that's a unique request. Let me hear it from a few others. Um, That's one thing. That's one answer. My other answer would be, I don't always listen to the customer either. Sometimes it's, you know, again, like what do we need to build to make the customer awesome? 
or at least what we think would be awesome. Yeah. What can we try out rapidly, prototype, and see what they what yeah. they would like? Um, and and part of that's just thinking, you know, about their un, unarticulated needs. So there's the so yes, thinking about their unarticulated needs, and there's. there's uh, a friend of mine says that you know customers don't know what they want until they see it, and even then we're not so sure. And that sounds a little harsh. Uh, yeah, again, I think I said earlier in this conversation, you know, we have, we've all bought products that we don't use. Oh my! Uh, uh, and, and we Shelter. predicted that we would use it. Yes. Uh, we, we imagined when we thought about that product, we bought the product uh, that. Uh, uh, that we would use it. People ask for features all the time uh, that they predict they will use and don't actually in practice. Um, we're pretty fallible. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's a, you know, look, uh, your goal is to give, uh, don't give people what they want, but give them what they need. Mm -hmm. uh, and you listen to a lot of customers and uh, there's a couple different tricks. Uh, 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 there's a friend of mine that uh, when people ask for features, uh, there's a friend of mine that taught me years ago uh, something uh, she called the magic question. That uh, mm. look, if you ask for a feature, uh, they say uh, you don't say why. That's what puts people on the back step. Uh, uh, you say that sounds great. If you had that, then what would you do? Mm. How would you use that feature? Uh, what would you yes. be doing differently? Mm. And then they'll describe for you how they imagine their future. One that gives you a lot of insight uh, on, on what that. kind of problems they're solving. Mm -hmm. And then the next follow-on question is, that sounds awesome. And this is a little bit of jujitsu. You're kind of moving their energy forward. Uh, you say, that sounds awesome. What happens today? Uh, and then they'll tell you about how things suck today. Mm. Now, look, we've got the feature they asked for, but more importantly, we have how they imagine the world being better. Mm -hmm. We have uh, what sucks today. And when you start to see a bunch of features that ask, a bunch of customers that ask for different things, you play that game with them, you start mm -hmm. to see some commonalities of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you start to see, hear how they, oftentimes you'll, Mm. I've had multiple times people start to describe how they would use that feature in the future and they catch the, uh, their own bad logic. Oh, that wouldn't work now that I think of it. Right, right, right. So, right. Uh, so you can uh, invalidate it relatively yeah. easily. Then you can go into what is what gets called co-creation sometimes. You mm. say when they describe how things are going bad today, uh, then you can start to play, well, uh, what about if we did this? Would that be better? What about if we did this? You turn this into a richer conversation. Mm. Yeah, but Love it. That doesn't answer your question. What do you do if three people want to... Well, at the end of the day, the, yeah. well, the, the hard product choice you're making <clears throat> isn't what features to put in your product. It's what customers you're going to support. Right. And yes. you, uh, there's the old... That strategy too, isn't yeah, it? yeah. That strategy. That, mm -hmm. That's the heart of strategy. Mm -hmm. Isn't what features. It's what markets you're addressing. And uh, yeah, every I, I'll joke with people in classes that everybody's mother should have told them you can't please everybody. If your product strategy is to try and please everybody, you're, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> you have a lot of mother uh, yeah. wisdom and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah. I didn't realize that until you said. <laughs> I'll have to give that some serious thoughts. Uh, that's a, yeah. Uh, that's maybe something weird or wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, yeah. We're getting close to our time here, but I wanted to mention something I thought you said that was really brilliant in your keynote the other day, um, which is that backlogs really need to contain things besides just features, right? Oh, yeah. I what do they need to contain? What, what's a, what does a good backlog Josh, look like? I'm going to run out of time uh -oh. here. All right. This Can you say it succinctly? I can't say anything 
single year. Look, well, I'll say it for you. I told you. You said what it. What did I say? You said assumptions. Yeah. Well, so uh, risk. I, uh, I talk about three kinds of backlogs that are uh, really important to me. There's the first uh, thing is lots of ideas or options or things that we could possibly do that make things better. Mm -hmm. And if I pick up and start working uh, with any one of those things, then I want to mutate. I want to talk about what are all the assumptions? What are all the risks? What are all the questions I've got? And that's what we use experimentation and testing to do. And then once I'm really committed to building something that I can uh, release into production and I need to start building production-ready code, Mm. then, then there's a backlog that's composed of more traditional user stories I'll end up calling that a release backlog ah. because those are the things that I'm confident I can release yes. um, mm-hmm. uh, that first backlog of options that's all the crap that's at the bottom of most people's JIRA backlogs yeah. uh, but I like separating that out because I don't like consider that I may or may not do those things they mm-hmm. may or may not be good ideas and I don't want to it, it's mental weight for me to manage those things and then uh, again I want to pl- start pulling atten- drawing attention to these things I need to learn or I'll mm-hmm. talk about a learning backlog a learning backlog yeah, yeah. so and, then there's yeah. three backlogs is there's a release backlog which is when you already know you want to build it yeah there's the uh, learning backlog uh, or there's the, the learning backlog and that's for the thing the things I'm working on uh, that you have I'm trying to decide whether I, yeah um, uh, and I hopefully I've only got one or two of those things that I'm actively working on trying to figure out whether I should or shouldn't build them mm-hmm and then the biggest backlog becomes this, uh, sometimes it's called an options backlog, yeah. an opportunity backlog. Opportunity. These are all the mm-hmm. ideas, the things that I could potentially build. Mm-hmm. There's a secret fourth backlog that's uh, I usually refer to as the output minimizer. It's the trash can. It's where you put ideas uh, if you decide not to build them. Uh-huh. It's a backlog because that's cool. that's if, a, that's... if you kill an idea, you know from experience that it's going to come back. Someone's mm-hmm. going to ask about it. You mm-hmm. want to be able to pull it back and mm-hmm. say, okay, this is what we talked about and we learned last time we did this. What's changed? And if you're so, not killing ideas, probably that's a problem, right? That backlog yeah, ought to have items uh, in it, right? Yeah, you yes, should be killing yes. ideas. And it's nice to – look, we spend a lot of time uh, – we're wrong a lot. We spend a lot of time proving you're wrong. Hey, uh, if, if you uh, you got to celebrate the stuff you kill. Yes. Uh, that's work. That's effort. That's a, that's a different kind of done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's done, which is the stuff we ship, and there's done, which are the ideas that we kill. So that's that. Very, very good. Awesome. Well, um, thank you for stopping by, talking to me, sharing your wisdom with the community watching today. Well, and, it's good uh, to be here. And thanks thanks for sharing this. Thanks for uh, simplifying, uh, re-simplifying, simplifying as it should be uh, <laughs> the, the, the agile world for the rest of us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. And uh, yeah, see you all okay. later. All right.